Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, and welcome to our special presentation of Alien Blackout, uh, an advanced review. I mean, this is launch day, but we were able to review and play the game and uh, kind of go over it in the past couple of weeks. So we wanted to release to you this exclusive review before many other outlets. And uh, Patrick was able to play the game uh, more than me. I just did a lot of looking. I'm not much of a gamer, but I am going to buy the game. Um, so we're pretty excited to kind of bring this to you today. Yeah, I, I mean, I think playing the game is an understatement. I've been fucking obsessed with this game for the last week and a half or so. It's it's insane. You know, there's this feature on iPhones now, I'm sure you know, that shows your screen time. And, like, I got, I was playing this enough that I got an alert that I was, <laughs> that I was like, spending more time on my phone. And I looked, and I've been playing it for, like, 11 and a half hours at this point over the last week and a half. Holy shit. Which is a lot of time. Like, that's that's time that I would normally be playing console games. But I haven't been because I've been playing this, and it's been um, it's been such a cool experience. And uh, you know, hopefully we we wanted to to put this out in conjunction with the written review because we figure you're going to be hearing a lot today from you know game companies um, and from you know the IGNs of the world and uh, and the Variety magazines of the world. But but we wanted to give you the perspective of non professional video game journalists, uh, but you know a gamer and a lifelong Alien fan. Um, and Jamie is a lifelong alien fan as well. Not quite a gamer yet, but we're working on that. I think Blackout's going to be the tipping point for you. I think so too. I'm actually going to get it for my iPad because I need a yeah. bigger screen. Well, it works on both because you get you know it's, you buy I the know. license once, which is fucking cool, and then you can stream yep. it, which we've been doing a lot. Yep. So I've been playing it like using my phone as a controller and streaming it to our television on the Apple TV. Ooh, I'm going to do that. I don't have a Chrome stick too. I don't have my. I have a smart TV, but I don't have anything like to link it to it. So I don't know if that'll work. You got to figure it out. My it's, iPad's it's, enough. It is so. It is so fun. But anyway, yeah, the, it looks great on iPads. I played it on an iPad and also on an iPhone. Um, both ran really well. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll go through some of the basics. And and again, we wanted to kind of give you the perspective from an alien centric standpoint because you can hear this from other outlets today. But uh, but you know, because we're really like one of the alien outlets, we wanted to kind of give you that perspective also because speaking personally here um i was not thrilled about this when it was announced uh it took me a little bit of coming around because i was heartbroken maybe not maybe not heartbroken but maybe not not heartbroken when um we found out you know a few times over the last couple of years that there was no motion on an isolation sequel and that there is not any um interest on the part of creative assembly nor budget on the part of fox to pursue that um or whatever the reasons are. But, you know, fandom has been clamoring for a sequel to Isolation because it was such a triumphant return to form in so many ways and for so many of us in the community. And for so many people just in the gaming community in general. You know, a, a lot of people bring it up as one of the best games that they've ever played, and they have no interest in Alien as an IP. It's just because they love the game so much. So anyway, all this is to say that, you know, I have alerts, like Google News Alerts set up for Isolation. I check all the time. I still hold out a, uh, some hope that we're going to get that. And I don't think that Blackout at all is Fox or Fox Next or anybody saying you're never going to get an Isolation sequel. I don't think that they're developing it, but I don't think that this is their way of saying, well, instead of that, here's a mobile game. But the problem is, is that when it was announced, a lot of us, and I include myself on this at least for the first hour or so after the announcement, jumped on that train of... Why are we getting, you know, we've, we've been telling you what we want. Why don't you just give us what we're actually been asking for for a long time and not give us another mobile experience? And I had all these these nightmare visions of, you know, coin power-ups and paying to get unlockable costumes 
and like having to pay this like subscription fee. And I was thinking, oh man, it's four ninety nine right up front. Like that could be a one time thing, or it could mean like, hey, if you want to get the next level of it, you have to pay nine ninety nine. Because we've been conditioned as a gaming community over the last, especially over the last few years, to a couple of things that some major publishers in the gaming industry hold to be true, which are that microtransactions and, and free to play is the future, and that mobile gaming is where we should be focusing our, our efforts. And so we've seen like a lot of these really questionable business decisions happening and being really negatively received in the game community. And initially, Blackout's announcement was received that way. And it was a two it was a one two punch, right? There were people that were upset because it was not an isolation sequel on a console or PC. And there were people upset because it was mobile and everybody assumes a mobile game will be a cash grab, essentially. So I would like to be one of the first to tell you, listening to this, that this is not what you think it is. And it's actually an extremely deep and enjoyable experience that feels the farthest away from a mobile game of anything that I have ever played in my life. I particularly don't like oh, yeah. I don't like mobile games. It's something that I, I, I have never gotten into. I roll my eyes when people talk about it, which is probably judge, judgy of me, but that's just who I am. You know, I, I, I've, I've grown up a very serious video game enthusiast for my entire life. You know, I, on PC, on PS4, Xbox, you know, we have a whole room in our house dedicated to retro game consoles. You know, I try to set records on arcade cabinets at Funspot. This is a big part of my life. I'm a gamer. And I have to say, I have enjoyed Blackout from a pure gameplay perspective immensely. And I've enjoyed Blackout from a pure alien IP Amanda Ripley perspective immensely as well. And the verdict, before we get into specifics, because I want to open this conversation up a little bit, the final verdict, in case you want to just cancel out of this and just go get it or not get it, is that you should buy it. It's four ninety nine. There are zero microtransactions, and Fox and the developer D3Go have both said that there will never be microtransactions. You unlock everything with $4.99, and it's a game that is available on Apple, Google, Amazon, potentially Nintendo Switch in the future. There's been some hubbub about that. It's something that uh, you can put a lot of time into, and it has tremendous replayability because of the way it's structured. But whereas in many replayable mobile games, you're incentivized to replay it basically just to build up, you know, some sort of an in-game currency or to, like, get, you know, to unlock a vehicle or something like that. That is not what's going on with Blackout. Blackout is you play it strategically in different ways for different results, keeping different crew members alive towards different ends and unlocking different methodologies that allow you to do faster and more efficient runs and to take chances with the AI in the game, which is very good, and to have different results. So it's really a gamer's game that happens to exist on a mobile platform. And I can get more into that later, but Jamie, what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I would agree. I think that it's completely immersive. I mean, again, I'm a gamer, and uh, when the news dropped, I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't anticipating anything. I know that there's a lot of people, most of the people I know, including you, love isolation. They play it. They want a sequel. And I've heard all that chatter, but I'm like, I've just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. If they want something different, you know. So I've been very indifferent to whether we get a new game or whatever. It just doesn't doesn't ultimately matter just because I'm more of a film guy. Um, I'm more interested as to what, you know, what the next film is going to be. But having saw that it was, you know, a mobile game that they're releasing, but then seeing the game, uh, hearing it, being kind of immersed in that world, it feels like the score to the game is awesome. Like I said, the first, it's one of the first things I said to Patrick. I was like, 
this score is amazing. I want the score by itself. Like it, it is feels... incredible. It's it's so standout it, right from the very beginning. Yeah. From the first yeah. time the menu loads, you're like, whoa, yeah. what is this music? Yeah, yeah. It's got that it, that haunting ambient um, feel, and then you're also immersed in this um, world that's still a cassette futurism. I think that's the term that you use. Yep, yep. Um, so it feels a little bit like the Nostromo. Everything. It's not like highly advanced things that you've seen maybe in Prometheus or whatever. It's very in. It's it, it's very. Con, what's the word? Con, continuitous, uh, in terms of uh, how it 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 relates between isolation and blackout. There's a continuity there. Oh yeah. They're not like okay, it's a whole new world and everything's brand new and everything is well. That's what's crazy. The it, it feels like. D, like DLC, like downloadable content for isolation. It honestly, and you know, isolation has some of the best downloadable content anywhere. You know, I mean, Last Survivor alone could be a whole game, but uh, Blackout feels like it. And part of it's the menu structure, which is very sort of um, non-mobile specific. Like, there's a lot of settings you can change. There's, uh, you know, it, there's 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 no things popping up in your face. It's like you see the vastness of space, and you have a couple of options, and you can scroll through those options, and then you're sort of just up and playing. You know, an interface loads. You're getting all the, the the bits and the beeps and the clicks and clacks that you associate with cassette futurism, and you're just immersed in it from the very beginning. And one of the things that I loved about Isolation so much, and that I still love because we're still we still play it all the time, I love how tactile the 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 menu systems are. You know, even just the fact that like the 20th Century Fox logo when it comes up in the beginning looks like it was recorded on some sort of an old VHS tape, and then you go in and you navigate through things and you have to like you know it's not like there's menus popping up all over the place. There's a couple of options, then you press it and it clicks and like the screen flickers and it feels like you're really manipulating something in physical space. And they get that same experience with blackout in a mobile context, which is crazy to me. Yes. And, uh, I, I, this might be, I mean, I'm certainly, I would call myself a layman in terms of, uh, gaming and playing video games. I just don't know shit, you know? Um, however, I would suggest that, Blackout feels as immersive. I have played Isolation before, bits and pieces. Not very, very long. I'm not very good. I don't even. I'm much better at VR. Uh, um, <laughs> they're just easier controllers. Um, but Blackout feels as immersive as Isolation to me. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it. It. it I, I. I wouldn't necessarily say that it does. I think it feels similar to Isolation in its immersiveness. The thing with Isolation is that it's the, the Sevastopol becomes like such a a real thing as you're playing in it more because it's such a the way that they delineate space in it feels so real and you can really explore things and there's no, you know, there's no fog that like shows you the edge of the map being blurred. It's, it's a real environment that you have to get up and down and it's sort of hard to do that. Um, and in addition to that, isolation just has just so much uh, going on in the background in terms of the sounds that the ship makes and the sounds that the, that the androids are making and, and all these different things that like, it's a pretty overwhelming sensory experience. That being said, Blackout is the exact same thing, just not on the same scale. So, like, the the fundamental immersiveness of isolation is definitely there, but it's not quite as overwhelming because it's something that um, doesn't take weeks to, to beat and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I have to say, you know, I've, I've played it in a few different contexts, as I was saying. You know, I've played it, I, I played on the train, every single train ride to work and back that I take. You know, I'm, I'm like, not doing fucking anything else but playing this game on the train. And that's a brightly lit environment where people are talking and it's, like, not at all you know, uh, like sensory deprivation. And I still, as I told you, fucking dropped my phone the other day because I got so scared because the alien snuck up on me and I yelped and I dropped my phone. On the, and I, I, I mean, I saw people like looking at me and I couldn't, I didn't want to like explain to them 
what's going on. But even in that <laughs> context, xenomorph. yeah, they're like, this guy is crazy. But even in that context, which is not a great context for playing a game, let alone a game on my phone, you know, I just turn off, I put my phone in airplane mode so I wouldn't get any notifications or anything coming through. You know, it was 20 minutes of me time and I fucking played through a couple of stages and it was very immersive. But that being said, I have also played it, you know, in bed, um, you know, after my wife goes to sleep and then I turn around and I like quietly grab my phones. I'm like, I got to go back. Like we didn't get through the AI core, you know, and I'm like just sitting there and I put my headphones on and uh, and it's pitch black and it's so scary. It is so immersive and so scary and so real. And that's why I keep saying that I forget that I'm playing on a mobile device because there's nothing to remind me of that. You know, there's the only thing that does. And I don't know if this might be something that you can turn off or not. It's the Apple Game Center notification that comes up, which obviously the developers of Blackout have no control over because it's it's part of your iPhone. But like when you when I log in, like, you know, it's this like beautiful orchestral music and this dark, bleak space scene. And then it's like, welcome back. And it has like the balloon thing on the time. I'm like, oh, God damn it, Apple. Other than that, there is no indication that it's that it's mobile. And it is so immersive that um, I find myself. And I guess it's like embarrassing, but whatever. I find myself literally pretending that I'm like Amanda Ripley. Like I because I, what's great about it is that the mobile terminal that she uses to do basically everything in the game is just like a cell phone. It's just like a mobile, like a smartphone. You know, it's it's bigger and it's clunkier because it's this cassette futurism and it's an engineering thing so you have to plug it in, which is brilliant too. And I can get to that in a minute. But at the end of the day, the game is played first person with you holding this thing in game and looking into it. And there's reflections from, you know, the environment in the background. So you're aware that like, that's an external apparatus that Amanda happens to be holding. And then when you put it down, you're in Amanda's body and you see her feet and you see like the, the, the vent that you're in and you see sometimes terrifyingly the xenomorph creeping by a window outside or something or killing you. Um, and so you're able to really kind of internally pretend that like you're actually in that situation, that you're in that ductwork and you turn the sound up and it's very immersive. And then in the game, you pick up the device and then your phone is the device. So you're seeing the map and you're seeing what has to happen. And the whole time you feel like sort of unsafe because the way the game is engineered, the second you're doing that, you're leaving yourself open to a sneak attack and you have a matter of a second or two to react before you get taken away. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't, obviously you played the game way more than, you know, I haven't technically played it, I've just seen it and, you know, watched the video actually on a really big screen, but uh, what I just love, for me, what's, what makes an experience an experience is the audio sounds as well as the video, to me, the audio really, if the audio has to immerse me, like if I think of the Alien films, um, what brings me, what I think of when I think of like Alien is that sound when Kane gets goes into the um the space jockey room for the first time and you hear that um sound that's kind of echoing almost like someone hit chains and it's echoing whereas i think with blackout it's the same kind of immersive quality where you're hearing these echoes and these all these things creating this world because our world is made up of uh an audio experience as well as a visual experience and they they just it's it's fantastic. I can't wait to play. And there's a wonderful, just like that scene with Kane that you're talking about, one of the things that I love about the sound design in Alien is that it's often ambiguous what you're really listening to, like what you're hearing. It's more of an artistic decision that sets a scene, and it's and you don't have to like justify it. We're like, oh, that was like an air vent letting out. You, you just feel it as something visceral. And Blackout has moments like that. Like there's there's sometimes when I'll be aware that the xenomorph is in the vent in, in the air duct system, which is where also I as the, the player am sitting. 
I usually will will figure that out by some static interference on the screen or by hearing something moving around. And if it's not coming right at you, if he's not like right next to you in the ductwork, often you'll hear what could be a human screaming or could be an alien hissing or could be nails grinding on metal. But there are these sounds that are just distant and they're just way in the background that if you don't have headphones on, you're not even going to be aware of it. But if you do, then you'll notice, oh shit, that came from behind me to the right and it was really quiet. And that probably means that the xenomorph is in the south east of this map right now. So I can't see it. It's not on the motion trackers. It's not on the security cameras. There's no crew member who is reacting to it directionally. Nobody knows where it is, but I heard something in that direction. And so I'm going to start opening and closing a couple of doors on the southwestern portion of the map to try to draw it over there. And then I'm going to turn on the security camera covering that corridor and see if I can see it so I get visual confirmation of where it is. And then I'm going to tell my crew member to run like fucking crazy up past that knowing that the Xenomorph has been distracted long enough that I can make it work. And the game is full of moments like that. It's very dependent on thinking uh, in real time and taking kind of crazy risks, which is very fun. Un- well, I mean, it's, it's always very fun, but it becomes a lot more real when you're down on crew members. One of the great things about the game is that you are continually making yourself more vulnerable and one of the ways that that's happening is the crew, which starts off as four people that you're directing around, sort of inevitably whittles away. I'm sure somebody out there is going to play this on day one and be like, well, I beat it in an hour with, you know, all four people. And, you know, fine. Maybe I'm just fucking terrible at this game. I get it. But I, I have never made it to the end of the game. I have I have not beaten it yet, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm on the last level, and I'm on the last level on a couple of different saves that I have. But I can't beat it because none of those saves have more than one person left because I keep losing them at a couple of different points. And part of that is because you have to take chances, and sometimes you have to sacrifice people, you know? Like, there's one character who's just a, a, a real dick, you know, and, and he's the whole... So I always sacrifice him first because I'm like, well, fuck you too, you know what I mean? Um, and you start doing that. You're like, if, if, if we're going to get off the Mendel, which is the ship, if we're going to somehow escape the situation, then we have to repair their ship, and they have to take me off, and we're going to work together to do that, and it means that we're going to be basically in danger the whole time. One other thing I want to just mention in, ter- in terms of increasing vulnerability, because this is one of the creative decisions that I like the most about the game and that also scares me the most, is um, Amanda is completely vulnerable as long as you're looking at the map. So the second you have the map pulled up and you're doing, which is how you play the game, like literally, you know, that's how you direct where the energy is going, so you open doors and you monitor the crew and you tell them where to go. All of that stuff is happening on this map that you're holding. But uh, which is on that engineering um, sort of, uh, you know, the, the plug-and-play tablet device thing that she has. But while that's happening, because of the nature of the power situation on the ship, she has to keep the doors open immediately next to her because that's where she's plugging it in because it's on reserve power. The ship is, is, is defunct. And she's rigged these solar panels that provide eight minutes of power. And so that she doesn't drain power from that, she has to plug into the emergency reserves in the door. So to use the thing, you have to be completely open, which is why if you can't find the xenomorph, you better listen really fucking carefully because it's probably about to come and grab you from behind. And you're going to drop your phone on the train and people are going to say, what's wrong with this guy? And you're going to have to try to explain it and they're going to think you're crazy. Um, so as the game goes on, you know, at first there's one point of entrance in Heatcrest. And it's pretty easy to to guess, you know, okay, I haven't seen the alien in a while. It's not coming up on the map. There's a chance it's in the vent. And if it is, I have one door that I have to monitor. But eventually you have three and more doors to monitor. And the only way to tell where it's coming from, because you can't see it when it's in the ductwork, is to listen. 
and you have to use your ears, and you have about a second and a half to two seconds to make a decision about which door to close. So you're hearing it scuttling around somewhere, and then as soon as you figure out where it's coming from, you have to hit that exact door, and the second you do that, you go completely blind on the map, because to do that, you have to unplug your module so it can close. So the, so that's just a brilliant creative decision that means that nobody is ever really safe, because the alien, and you'll hear it banging against the door because it's pissed off that you caught it, you know, or that you didn't let it get to you, and then it turns around and it runs back out onto the map, but your terminal has to reboot, so you have to open the door up, and it, ha- it goes like, and it does this whole cycling thing, and while that's happening, you have no idea where it is, you don't know where your crew is, you don't know if anybody's being eaten, all you can do is listen in the background for noises of people screaming and, and hope that you can figure out where that was coming from. Um, and that dynamic of increasing vulnerability, I think, is just brilliant. And I think that's key to why the game feels exciting. Yeah, well, I await to really uh, get my hands dirty. It's probably the first game that I'm actually going to like play at length. So I'm, I will certainly report back. And we'd love to hear what you guys think of the game, uh, how you're doing, um, what, how do you think? What do you think of the design, the 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 world? Is it immersive? Is it challenging? Uh, we would love to hear feedback uh, from you. So please feel free to uh, leave us a comment or um, send us an email or a, a voicemail, and we'll try and include that in one of our upcoming shows. Um, yeah, last great. but not least, last but not least, I just want to make one comment. Just. Uh, just as we kind of wrap this up, this is something that Patrick talked about in the beginning when they first um, kind of announced Blackout, and there's a lot of negativity. That's an understatement. Uh, having spoken to people at Fox, who I, I've kind of talked about this a little bit more, there are n- the people who I who work up there want the IP in all of its iterations and forms to do well. They want the comics to do well. They want the the games and maybe potential movies or animation or whatever. They want it to really, 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 really do well. Um, they, you know, a lot of them reflect our attitude like, yeah, it's kind of been rough going. It's kind of been divisive. A lot of them, uh, they are kind of on board with that. They would kind of echo a lot of what us in fandom say. Fox is undergoing a, a merger right now. We've said this before. And during this time, they can't make any type of financial, big financial decisions. They don't even know what's going to happen. They don't know what's the, their, their future, the future of 50,000 people who work for that company. They don't know what's going to happen um, and what properties are going to still be viable, who's going to still be in control of them, blah, 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 blah. But what I do know and what I will leave you with is that the people, if, if you're angry, don't be angry. Um, because the people who are in charge right now are trying their best to give us something to keep this IP alive. Essentially, they're trying to prove to Disney that this is still a viable product, because if it's going to live, it's got to be viable, and that means games, that means interest, public interest. And really, the alien community is, for a niche community, it's pretty big, and it's teeming with life. So I just want everyone to kind of... uh, Keep the faith, think the best, assume positive intent. Maybe you're not getting everything that you want, but also know that the people who are in charge right now aren't able to really give that to us um, because of budgetary reasons and merger reasons. And we won't know where things will lie probably until, or settle, I should say, until um, the second half of the year. So just keep patience. 
and keep the faith. You know, at, at the end of the day, you can either greet all of these little bits of news with animosity because it's not perfect or because it's, it feels like, you know, disrespect, or you can give them a chance and then form an opinion. You know, I went into this process with Blackout kind of upset personally and feeling like it was a, a that like they were really disregarding what we were asking for and that um, we weren't being listened to. And I came out of it falling in love with a fucking game on my phone. You know, and that's great. I, I, I would love to be continually surprised. And if they do bad things, then fine. You know, I, I'll hold them accountable for it. But uh, but at the same time, you know, I think if if you have a, a somewhat positive mindset and you kind of greet things with curiosity before hatred, um, you might be a happier fan. You know, I, I know it's working for me so far, you know, but <laughs> none of us are perfect. Totally. And, you know, uh, the... Social media, the internet, just how everyone has kind of found their voices since kind of the dawning of social media. Really, it's been probably the last five years or really people who are no ones or not that we're nobodies, but just in terms of who is in control of media and content. We're all we all have a voice now. Um, Part of who we are as perfect organism comes from us kind of wanting to be a voice in fandom. Um, Part of that engine runs on negativity. And we really try and strive uh, to step away from that and run on positivity. And that's a bit harder to do, especially when those wagons are circling and they're popular. Everyone's – a lot of people are negative. And we're, we think we're doing a pretty good job. We think uh, fandom is, is you know, teetering sometimes here and there. But on the whole, it's doing a pretty good job. But we're, we, we exist to, to be a light for fandom. And I really think that uh, assuming positive intent and not engaging in just the, the – circular um non-stop fuel of negativity will really kind of make for a better experience and that that way when things really do need to be addressed you know we can actually do it like when when really bad decisions happen that have severe consequences for our franchise and we need to talk about it you know we can hold people to the fire and really have actual in-depth arguments and it won't be completely desensitized by the fact that just everybody's mad about everything all the time you know i think that it's much more fun when we can find things that we love and we can talk about them and we can argue from a place of real friendship and, um, and when we have real concerns to address, we can band together and really address those concerns. But in the meantime, like I say in the written review, if you come into Alien Blackout looking for the sequel to Isolation, you're going to be disappointed because it's not what it is. But if you look at it for what it is, which is Alien Blackout, I really think you will love it. And it's four ninety nine, and I think you should go pick it up. I think so too. Thanks, guys. Well, that wraps that that wraps it for us. Thanks for uh, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.